More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to today's edition of the Clay Travis and Buck Sexton Show podcast. Welcome back in, Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you. Hope you're having a fantastic Monday, wherever you may be, across this great country or this great land. Encourage you to go download the iHeartRadio app. You can listen to us anywhere. It is close to summer vacation season, if it isn't already. Many of you out there with the kids and the grandkids will be traveling all over the place. You can also download the podcast. I am up in Oneonta, New York. It's beautiful up here in this time of year, not far from Cooperstown, New York. I'm going to be ducking out to go watch the Little League knockout stage. I've been up here for the weekend. Buck, I spent Father's Day. It was awesome. Uh, went to the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. I had never been before. Heard about Cooperstown, New York, and the Baseball Hall of Fame my entire life. I thought it. I took my eight-year-old. Uh, he loved it. They did a great job of integrating... Uh, all the different eras of baseball for so many different ages to enjoy. The thing that he loved the most was all of the YouTube highlights, basically. They have these big screens where you can pick all these moments. I don't even know if you remember this, Buck. Do you remember when Bo Jackson ran up the wall in center field in Kansas City? That is a moment for many of us who are you know, late 80s, early 90s era uh, kids growing up. That was one of the viral videos of the day. Ball bouncing off mm-hmm. Jose Canseco's head and going out for a home run, like these these moments. So anyway, I was able to share some of those with him and be like, hey, this happened when dad was 8 or 10, like your age. I would encourage you, if you get an opportunity to go, it was great. The kids loved it. I mean, I am an American. I watched the sports until about 10 years ago. So anything yes. anything that's Bo Jackson, Michael Jordan, Wayne Gretzky, even that cartoon that used to run on Saturday mornings, if you remember that, I think it was oh, like yeah. You know, I, I, but I used to watch uh, the the various professional leagues, so I, I remember this. And you know, that's when people just thought sports was a great all American pastime we could all enjoy together before the wokeness came. 
before the virus destroyed uh, much of what brings sports together, still fighting for that to get back to normalcy at OutKick. But I thought it was good. Not a woke uh, you know, world inside of the Major League Baseball Hall of Fame. Really enjoyed it. It was fun. People have been fantastic up here. Lots of listeners. Uh, I've met them everywhere. All right. Opposite of that, and I hope all of you had fabulous Father's Day uh, weekends. I hope you had a great time and uh, spent some time with your you uh, your loved ones, your family, your kids, your grandkids. Okay. We have been talking about Dementia Joe. Joe Biden down six points, according to Rasmussen and the Harvard-Harris polls that came out over the past 48 hours or so. Uh, biggest lead that we've seen Trump have in any polls. There's nervousness. RFK Jr. under siege. Flip side to all of this, Buck. They elected John Fetterman, and everything that we're talking about with Joe Biden's incompetence, it may not matter because tribe, loyalty, affiliation to the Democrat Party is such that it doesn't even matter who the nominee is. I just want to play a couple of audio because I know it's busy over the weekend. People may have missed it. I thought Sharon, who just called in, by the way, to finish off the hour, had a good point. And this is why I'm always thinking about there's a lot of people out there who are going to vote next year that are not paying attention to the daily craziness of the Joe Biden era, right? They're busy with their kids. They're running around and they're going to decide crazily in October of next year who they like. Well, this also goes to there's the primary voter on both sides, right? They're the people that are energized from the beginning. You know, we have everybody listening to this show from, you know, Senate and House staffers and in some cases representatives to grassroots activists, people that are doing, you know, uh, you know, voter voter turnout operations across the country. That's great. We love them. I mean, that's like the foundation of trying to get the Republican Party to where it needs to be. Um, but the people that are going to finally make the the end stage decision about which party wins, it's going to be people who are like, eh, I like the economy. I'm going to go with this guy. <laughs> that's kind of, you know, that's what it ends up. This is, this is the, uh, the swing voter, the elusive swing voter, like a snow leopard, hard to find in the wild. Um, and they're the ones that are going to make the determinations in Arizona. Actually, it's a little different in Arizona, but in Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. So yeah. That's what's going to happen. 10 voters. Uh, all right. So, and if you're out there and you say, okay, the media lied to us and said, John Fetterman's going to be okay. Yeah. He might not be able to speak now. He's going to get better. He got sworn in January, immediately got checked into the hospital for months. Uh, now says he's better. Showed up at a Senate hearing. This was Friday, Buck, right after we went off the air. Here is John Fetterman talking about, for those of you who are in the Philadelphia area or travel on I 95. A part of that interstate collapsed in the Philadelphia area, area, and John Fetterman was asked to opine upon it in a Senate hearing. This is real. This is from Friday. This is John Fetterman trying to talk about I-95. Listen. The uh, tragic uh, accident in uh, I-95, and if you want to make any comments with respect to that, feel feel free to recognize it. Uh, no, I, I, I uh, would... would... Just um, really like the you know, the ninety five, ninety five, ninety five. You know, um, you know. Obviously, that you know, you're pretty much preoccupied with with ninety five, and I know I certainly am too. And we know it's a major uh, eatery, not, not just for for Pennsylvania, but for the east the east coast. And a lot of Pennsylvanians are worried that the delays and repairs bring to its stand still deal. 
Okay. Buck, I mean, this is unacceptable, frankly. And we said this in during the election season. If you are a senator, your job is to communicate. If you had a broken leg, you couldn't go out and play quarterback. And people would say, if you put a broken-legged quarterback on the field, that the team was putting him in a position where he could not succeed. John Fetterman cannot do the job of United States senator. They elected him anyway, and he won by four and a half points in Pennsylvania. And I'm going to play another cut here in a moment of Fetterman trying to introduce Joe Biden wearing a hoodie. But, Buck, when you hear that, I mean, that's a Senate hearing where he's trying to talk about I-95. What are your thoughts? My thought is, um, well, on a more 30,000-foot level, it's let's say that, God forbid, something goes really wrong uh, in Ukraine with Russia where there's clear escalation. Take Ukraine out of it. Um, cause as you might have seen, Blinken said recently yep. in his trip to China, Taiwan independence is not U.S. policy. And this is fascinating. People love to correct whatever they, the answer is no one really knows what U.S. policy is for Taiwan, especially the people making U.S. Taiwan policy. Okay. Oh, we've got, you know, strategic ambiguity. Sure. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Um, but beyond that, let's just say that there was a, uh, you know, Chinese flotilla on the way to Taiwan. John Fetterman, theoretically, if we actually went back to where the Senate, you know, decides if we're going to declare war, John Fetterman will be casting a vote in that one way or the other, yep. something that could be really important. Now, I know you say, oh, but is that really going to happen? Well, you don't know, and you should at least take Senate elections with the seriousness necessary that you could put someone forward who isn't a complete and utter catastrophe in terms of the ability to think through complex problems and wield the power that he is given as a United States senator. That's on the one level. So it's it's appalling that this is what the Democrats are willing to do in that state, but they did it. And then also, it brings me back to the Fetterman effect, which is my, my single biggest, okay, second biggest data point for why Joe Biden is going to be the nominee. Despite all the stuff that we are seeing, and we're talking through it, and and I always say, it's it's just impossible to see where this is going necessarily with certainty. No one can predict the future. Okay. The number one thing is that Joe Biden is the incumbent, and the powers of the incumbency are massive. That's the number one thing. The number two thing is the Fetterman effect, Clay, which is, put simply for everybody as a reminder, if this guy can get elected to the United States Senate, Joe Biden can get reelected as president because Democrats do not care. And their machinery is powerful enough and they're ruthless enough that they're able to put forward somebody who honestly like needs assistance. Never mind. And look at Diane Feinstein. Diane, isn't she still a senator? They haven't. Yes. Diane Feinstein is still a senator. Diane Feinstein is being wheeled around as an invalid. She is incapable of, of being, you know, she's, she's now at that stage of life where, you know, we start off as infants where we need adults to care for us. And sometimes if we last long enough, we end up in a place where we need other adults to care for us. That's where she is. And she's still a United States senator. And Democrats don't really care. They only care about, oh, how do we make sure we transition this properly when the time comes? What about every day? What about the people of California should deserve something better than what they're getting? Yeah, and, you know, that's interesting because there's now a battle because she's not going to run for reelection next year. But there are several different people who have announced for that Senate seat, and they don't want the governor. 
they don't want Gavin Newsom to be appointing somebody else because it gives them incumbency advantage. So that 89-year-old Feinstein is still there. That first clip I played for you was Friday of John Fetterman unable to speak. On Saturday, they actually had him introduce Joe Biden at an event in Philadelphia. This is what it sounded like when John Fetterman, wearing a hoodie and shorts, introduced the President of the United States in Philadelphia. I'm standing next to the President again, next to a collapsed bridge here. And he is here to commit to work with the governor and the the delegation to make sure that we get this fixed quick, fast as well, too. This is a president that is committed to infrastructure. Yeah. And then on top of that, uh, the the jewel uh, kind of a uh, uh, law of the inflation bill. That is going to make sure that there's going to be bridges all across like this, all across the America getting rebuilt. Okay, Buck, I mean, first of all, when he said he was standing next to a collapsed bridge, that felt like a perfect metaphor for Joe Biden's presidency. On I was going to say. But this is real. This is sad. I mean, how in the world did we reach the point where a guy like this could be in a job like he's in? It is a failure of the Democrat process. If the Lincoln-Douglas debates was the apex, this is the nadir. Can, can I tell you something, though, man? And, and this reminds me of uh, there, there are a couple Democrats that I used to talk to a little bit, people that I know from the, the Fetterman campaign era. We used to discuss this. Um, a lot of them view this as a victory, meaning they were able to run the beta test of how you can put forward you got to get in those early votes. You got to have the media narrative yep. in place. You have to have the ruthless surrogates who will say absolutely anything, you know, who have no shame, who will shame anyone who points out the obvious. Remember, that happened with Fetterman. There was that reporter, what was she, ABC News or something? NBC like, News NBC. said he can't yeah. do an interview. He like, can't do an interview. And everyone's like, how dare you? And, and then, you know, and I, the, the thing that really ticks me off is you'll get some of these Democrats, you know, these keyboard warriors who say, oh, Making fun of somebody because they have a stutter, like what a jerk. He doesn't have a stutter. His brain doesn't function properly because he had a massive stroke. That's not stutter. And it's an insult to those of us who had speech impediments and are either still dealing with them or have overcome them to pretend that, oh, yeah, stutter. Same thing as your brain gets fried by a stroke. I'm glad you brought that up because, and that's why I went to the sports analogy. If someone is unable to do the job, and you put them on the field, and it's clear that they can't do the job, every single sports fan will say, get him off the field. What in the world are you doing? His arm is broken. His leg is broken. In fact, they will threaten to fire the team that puts an, uh, a player unable to do the job out on the field. Democrats just did that. It's not a flaw for us to be pointing out that this guy is unable to do the job. They force us to do that. That's the reality. It's a disgrace. He should step down immediately. But if you wonder how reckless they are, they elected Fetterman. They will, if they need to, elect Joe Biden again. Look, I've got investment advice, not the usual kind, the kind that comes in the form of food security. I'm talking about a supply of emergency food prepared to last 20 years or more. Having access to food if there's ever a shortage or a crisis, just smart planning. How about a three-month emergency food kit 
from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. When you order today, you'll save $200 on each kit you need. Having these kits means your family will stay fed while others stand in long lines. Food doesn't taste gross either. Provide you with 2,000 calories a day. Don't delay. Order your three-month emergency food kit today. Save $200 per kit. Easy to order. Go to preparewithclayandbuck.com. You'll get fast and free shipping, too. Do it today. You don't have to think about it again. You'll have the peace of mind knowing you've got a backup plan for your family. Website, preparewithclayandbuck.com. That's preparewithclayandbuck.com. Clay Travis and Buck Sexton. Voices of sanity in an insane world. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's reality podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go like, how do I detach from my this idea of what do, is that? Is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know. Okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Play and Buck. Uh, we'll take some of your calls in the back half of this hour. 800-282-2882. A story that's outside the realm of politics. It's gotten 
interest from uh, Clay and from me here. Um, it's up on Fox News, up on a lot of places right now. So there's a rescue mission underway for this uh, small submarine, essentially, this submersible that goes on trips to visit the wreckage of the Titanic, which I think this is a couple, this is, yeah, 12,500 plus feet underwater. 12,000 feet of water. People pay, this is from this company, Ocean Gate Expeditions, $250,000 for a spot to get in this tiny submarine to go 12, which only has five people, it can only hold five people. They go 12,500 feet down in this submarine. Clay, they would have to pay me, I don't know, 25 mil. Like, there is no way I would, because honestly, I'm not even kidding. Like, the claustrophobia of this would get to me, I think. First of all, hopefully they find these people and they're fine right now. God knows what's going on. They've lost contact with the submarine. What would it take for you to get into a tiny submarine and go 12,000 feet under the ocean surface? I was I was thinking about this when I saw this story, too, because I do think it would be super incredible to be able to be in a submarine, like, looking at the wreckage of the Titanic, presuming based on what some of this footage has looked like. But I also, I would want to get in the submersible and go, like, 50 feet underwater and see how nervous I got first. <laughs> I was going to no, say, I'd do that. I want to test it. I want to test it because oh, I think funny. I would get super claustrophobic if yes. I went that far underwater, too. But I don't know, and I can only – I've thought about this. One of my good friends uh, from high school was on a nuclear submarine, right? And – so he was under, you know, uh, they don't come up for like six months. And I think I would go crazy if I were in a, uh, God bless anybody who's able to do it. I think I would go crazy if I were underwater in a submarine and I couldn't see the sky. I couldn't see anywhere around it. So I would want to actually go in and test it because I can't think of anything worse than having like a panic attack when you're like a thousand feet down and you know that you have to be in there for a substantial more period of time, much this. less if you start to think you might not be able to come back up like is the story with this one. $250,000 a person you pay to go. And now they're doing a rescue mission. I would not pay to do mission. it. Yeah. Uh, they'd, have to pay, they'd have to pay me, like, yes. retirement money forever. To, like, there's no way I would, I, I would personally do this. I'll just give you guys a quick tip uh, here, Clay. I don't know if you've read this, but for anybody who's looking for a beach, a beach read, I mean, just a book that you will not be able to put down, Shadow Divers by Robert Curson, which goes into both deep-sea diving and a U-boat that was found off the coast of New Jersey. This audience, if you haven't read Shadow Divers, I'm telling you, you will rip through that book. If you're a small business owner with five or more employees and you made it through COVID, you may qualify for an IRS tax refund, all part of a program called the Employee Retention Credit. That's the ERC. In fact, Innovation Refunds has already helped more than 17,000 companies file their returns. Question is, can they do the same for you? You can get started on their website, GetRefunds.com. There are other companies saying they specialize in ERC, but not every company has the hundreds of five-star reviews that Innovation Refunds do. does. Here's how you do it. Go to GetRefunds.com. In as little as 10 minutes, you can be on your way to getting a bundle. No upfront costs. They don't get paid unless you get paid. They've already returned $5 billion in payroll tax refunds. Go to GetRefunds.com or download the app from the App Store at GetRefunds.com. Welcome back in. Clay Travis, Buck Sexton Show. Appreciate all of you hanging out with us as we roll through 
the Monday edition of the program. Buck, on Friday, I told you, we talked about uh, the uh, movie that was coming out, and we discussed the fact that the Super Mario Brothers animated movie made a billion dollars. That's a billion with a B. There are probably a lot of parents out there, a lot of dads uh, and moms as summer season starts and you're looking for fun things to do with your kids. Movies, theaters back open, basically back to normal. There's a lot of demand for kids movies. Uh, But I told you that the early returns on the new Pixar, that is Disney animated movie that is super woke, were the, the the box office came out for Thursday, and I said it was incredibly ominous. I'm reading from, this is in the New York Times this morning. Uh, the headline is, Poor Opening for Elemental Raises Doubts About Pixar on the Big Screen. Uh, and let me put this in context for you, Buck. Uh, new all-time low for a Disney Pixar animated movie. Um, it uh, got only... $29.5 million. Uh, that compares to uh, the past. Um, this thing cost $200 million to make. The lowest Disney Pixar animated movie opening of all time. And I think this is significant because Bob Iger, the CEO of Disney, made the decision to go to war with Ron DeSantis. And we talked about the Axios data that reflected that Disney has become one of the five most polarizing brands in America. And I think there are a ton of people listening to us right now, parents, grandparents, aunts, uncles, that make the choice now to not consume Disney products because of the woke politics. And the worst Disney Pixar animated film, and this comes on the heels, Buck, of a disaster. Remember Lightyear? Uh, which was supposed to be the origin story of Buzz Lightyear. Toy Story movies were wildly popular. Everybody pretty much with kids has seen these things. I think Disney has gone woke, and I think they are now dealing with their own Bud Light impact, where a lot of you out there listening are saying, I'll my money elsewhere in the success of a movie like Super Mario Brothers, animate a movie that made a billion dollars just trying to entertain kids, Disney has gotten injected in the political woke virus, and they are right now floundering. Stock buck. Here's a good example for you. And I hate, I'm sure some of you out there, unfortunately, have done this. You know, if you bought Disney stock in 2014, nine years ago, it's the exact same price today as it was in 2014. That's pretty crazy to think about. Nine years, the company has the exact same value. You would have thought that if you were trying to pick a forever brand, you know, a, a stock yes. or just a brand that you could safely put your money in. Um, you know, there, there are these companies that you used to think about things. You look at like, uh, General Motors, you look at, uh, you look at IBM, you look at Disney. There have been a lot of them that have, uh, run into problems over the years, but Disney would have been very high up on the list. I think of this is just because of the, um, the brand advantage that it has and the massive library of incredibly valuable content that it, that it already contains, yep. right? That it can effectively rent out in a variety of capacities, either for its own subscription service or for, you know, other entities to use. And, you know, this is Disney to me is a little bit like California. Let me, let me just explain what I mean by this. It's a good analogy. Yeah. Thank you. Because it's amazing. It's beautiful. People love it. And it takes time through bad decision-making to ruin it. 
But once you've gone far enough, people start to realize you got a real problem on your hands, and then turning it around becomes very, very difficult. Disney, the all the executives who are there right now, kind of like Gavin Newsom in California, inherited a place that has a yeah. tremendous amount of advantages, that has a lot of things. That's why when Gavin Newsom's like, yeah, we, we made so much money in Silicon Valley. It's like, Gavin... You know, you, you weren't there with the Google engineers building the algo. Like, calm down, all right? You took over office, and you have the greatest wealth creation machinery in Silicon Valley, really in the history of the world, other than the oil industry, right? I mean, you look at what's what's gone on with the Internet. You look at Disney. They have, you know, Sleeping Beauty and Lion King and Aladdin and, and you know, and, and the Disney, uh, play, what do you know, the Disney World, Disneyland, all these things. And they're managing to turn it into a toxic brand that people don't want to be uh, consumers of, and they've managed to do it in just a handful of years. And all the while, you know what they say? We're Disney. We'll be fine. People will agree with us over time, kind of like California. I think it's a great analogy. And I would say, Buck, I saw this happen with ESPN. I saw it happen with sports. I saw what they did to the brand of ESPN. They have destroyed it in many ways. And they were super cocky, too. People are always going to like sports. And this would also tie in, Buck, with what's the last most successful part of the Disney brand right now? The theme parks. Because there's a lot of people like me and a lot of you out there listening who in the 1970s and the 1980s and the 1990s, you went to the theme park. And when you go to the theme park, now I know they're 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 now hiring men to work as Disney fairy princesses, which is crazy at Disneyland, all this stuff. But to a large extent, Pirates of the Caribbean, although this is funny, they have adjusted the Pirates of the Caribbean ride too, uh, and they did away with Splash Mountain because they decided the amusement park was racist. But when you're walking around, Peter Pan is still there. Snow White ride is new, but it feels very similar. It's a Small World is still basically the same place. The parks have been the least wokeified version of woke Disney. And that's where their profit center still is. The legacy and nostalgia factor is most powerful there. And I would imagine, to your point, people are still watching, you know, Cinderella and Snow White and Peter Pan, old school movies, and still enjoying them. But I remember a while back, Buck, Mike Slide used to be the commissioner of the SEC, Southeastern Conference. And as he neared the end of his tenure, I did an interview with him, and he said, you know what I see the SEC, this this college football conference, it is a public trust. If you're a fan of Alabama or if you're a fan of Florida or Tennessee or whatever it is, it's a legacy generational brand that you love. My job is to protect that trust and hand it to the next generation in a little bit better job and position than it was before. Bob Iger is destroying the legacy of Walt Disney. He is the CEO right now. And it I, I love the California analogy, Buck, because when you and I were kids growing up, California was a magical place that everybody wanted to go see. It was the land of stars. It was the land of sun. It was the land of American exceptionalism. Ronald Reagan personified that. And now what is it? It's a place that's decrepit, that's run down, and that many are fleeing. And that's unfortunate because it had so many jewels associated with it. They destroyed something beautiful. I think this is a common theme, actually, among uh, a lot of uh, the the way the left 
functions and how they justify their destruction of things over time is they manage to, they're often not the ones who built the thing they're in charge of. It's almost like they're trust fund kids, you know? Like Gavin Newsom yep. is a custodian of California in a sense right now as governor, but he inherited a place that, yeah, I know there were challenges. Oh, every state has challenges. But overall, and look, it's not all on Newsom. He's just done the same stupid things that other Democrats and even uh, a Republican in charge of the state in recent uh, in recent election cycles or over the course of different uh, administrations have done. But it takes a while for these icebergs to melt. And what, it, what you see happening right. is people like us say, hey, hey, the iceberg is melting. And they say, it's still really huge. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. And that's exactly the mentality of a place like Disney. Yeah, we're the ones that created this. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're actually just somebody who showed up to work and, you know, kissed up to the right people and played the DEI game and all this stuff. And now you're running a great American company that was built by Walt Disney, a creative genius, and you're running it into the ground like spoiled brats who take over daddy's company and don't really know what the heck they're doing. And that's what the wokeness does everywhere. That, that's really just the story of and, the woke. And it's also the story, unfortunately, of what may well happen to the country if we don't take it back, right? What's happening to Disney, what's happening to California, as you see the woke virus destroy everything that it infects, they're trying to do it to the country I mean, as a whole. The perfect example of this, and this is very near and dear to my heart, what Bill de Blasio did to New York City. What did Bill de Blasio yeah. keep saying over and over again? Well, the city's great, and people are moving here, and the the, the, the the crime numbers aren't really that bad, and actually we're safer than we've ever been. He had this whole rap, and it's like, yeah, but... But you're, you know, it's getting, it's going the wrong direction because of what you're doing. You're making it worse. By the time it was unavoidable, that jackass was already basically on the way out, and he had destroyed everything. But at every step of the way, it's oh, things are actually great here. Things are great here. No, you inherited something that's great and you ruined it. But it takes time. The incrementalist approach to ruining these places takes time. So I mean, that's. I just think you need to see that, and you know, it's kind of true of the country for some people too. I think they'd say. We have this amazing country. You know, I, I think this is a very, this is very much part of the Trump message, honestly. This is very much part of the America First message. Yeah, we're number one. We're the biggest economy. We're the biggest military. We've got all these great things, but we're heading in the wrong direction. And I think that really resonates with people. Let's talk about the Tunnel to Towers Foundation, my friends. Uh, they do such important work. When a service member or first responder dies or is severely injured in the line of duty, who's there for the families affected? Who's helping our homeless veterans and our nation? to never forget 9-11? The answer is the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. The Foundation's in-the-line-of-duty programs are comprised of Gold Star, Fallen First Responder, Smart Home, and Veteran Homelessness programs, all of which are dedicated to honoring our nation's heroes and their families. The Foundation's Never Forget programs engage people in 9-11 remembrance across America. There are over 80 run, runs, walks, and climbs each year. There are also dozens of golf outings and barbecues. Clay's going to be participating in a Tunnel to Towers golf event with the founder, Frank Siller, this fall just outside of New York City. And the Tunnel to Towers 9-11 Institute is educating kids in kindergarten through 12th grade to help our nation keep its vow to never forget. More than 90 cents of every dollar you donate to Tunnel to Towers goes to its programs. Never forget the sacrifices of our country's greatest heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T dot org 
Sunday Hang with Clay and Buck, a new podcast. Find it on the iHeart app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're talking tea, we're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Here are some examples of what you'll hear from us on Rappaport's Reality Podcast. This is where we discuss all things reality TV, all things popular culture. And a little bit of... Rappaport's reality, the reality of bit. us. We're a figuring out. And if we had been recording these last four or five days, Ooh. it, it would have been, Ooh, a, been the podcast would have taken a, a, a left turn. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. On Purpose is dedicated to helping you be happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how he got comfortable with fear, navigating the changes in relationships, and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. This conversation shows a never-seen-before side to Orlando Bloom and his unique life journey. I think we all struggle sometimes to really deeply believe that we are enough, that we're valued, that we're valuable. You know, we're imprinted by our parents from the age of zero to seven, right? Mm. I'm constantly trying to go, like, how do I detach from my this idea of, what do, is, that, is that my baggage? I look like my baggage. I mean, I know, okay, that's mine. Let's unpack that. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Another story that I, I've got, I've got uh, stuck in my mind right now, Clay. So I don't know if you saw this, and and it really just I, I want to put out a question to the audience, and maybe this is a great place for our VIPs to weigh in if they don't feel like calling in on this one. Clayandbuck.com, please go there, subscribe, become a VIP. You can email us throughout the show. Um, you see, there was a a what was it this uh fish that was caught I'm, I'm assuming this was wait is this am i thinking of something that happened i hate when there's something that happens that was old and is now um yeah recirculates it's recirculating you know what for i was gonna ask because I, I saw this thing about a big blue marlin that was caught now i'm realizing it's kind of old are you a deep sea fishing guy i love it 
I, now, I'm not a good fisherman in general. Like, I'm on the lake up here in uh, in New York right now. But, you know, I lived in the Caribbean for a couple of years. Um, and so I was on an island uh, in the U.S. Virgin Islands. I lived on St. Thomas. I uh, still have my law license down there. And I'd never been out deep sea fishing. And I went out deep sea fishing and caught a shark. Have I told you the story? Like, I caught a shark. Um, we had a barracuda on the line. This massive shark, while we had the barracuda on the line, came up and bit the barracuda and then took the hook. And so we brought in the shark. This has been like 20 years ago. And then I caught one of the big sail, you know, the, the like the sailfish. Yeah. You put those back in. I ate the Fastest shark, fish in the I world. It was pretty sir. incredible. Fastest fish in the world, the sailfish. Fastest thing in the world. Is that ocean. true? Yeah. Yeah. So you okay, can catch it was those not off Miami. Like they have the sailfish. Like you go out a ways off Miami and you can catch one. There's a picture of me holding the sailfish. Yeah. So so this I, this is a fish tale that is true and is recent. I, I actually was pulling it up and I saw another one that was uh, similar. So they this crew of fishermen in North Carolina, Moorhead City, and there's a whole bunch of them. There's like a dozen people in this photo. They caught a 600 pound marlin, which is is massive. Obviously, they won a three point five million dollar pot for catching this fish. But then it was disqualified because the fish had been bitten by some sharks when it was being brought in. And apparently that is against the rules. Now, I'm just going to go and say it. This strikes me as an injustice. Not quite indicting a former president level injustice, but like this is bad, man. These is guys this? won three point five million. I, I mean, I, that, it's crazy to me. Crazy. It feels like it's going to end in litigation. This is also the story of the old man in the sea. He caught the marlin, and then Hemingway's great tale from Cuba, and then Santiago. And I'm doing this from memory. Santiago tries to. You can use this as your Cliff Notes version if your kid's out for the summer and this is in your summer reading. And, and Grandpa or Dad, we got you listening. Then they try to bring back the marlin, and the sharks eat the whole marlin, and he arrives with just the bones. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. Remember Hemingway reading it in high school. Um, uh, I, I just gonna put this out there though. This is what I don't understand. If it's so, it's a tournament. This is the 65th Big Rock Blue Marlin Tournament in Moorhead City, North Carolina. Just happened this weekend, so it is the story that I thought it was. It was very recent. Three point five million dollars in prize money. What I don't understand, I ask this all, in all honesty, is is there like, I mean, everyone's out there on the boats, everyone's putting the reel in the you know, putting the lure, not the reel, the lure in the water, and I'm like. I, like, is this just luck, or is there skill involved in this? I know, is that like anathema? Am I not allowed to ask that? Like, how how is one person better at deep-sea fishing than another? This is, I'm probably going to get absolutely hammered. In oh, the you're going to get inundated over I, this. I don't understand. Like, what is, is, isn't it just, you know, you put the, you put the lures out? I don't know. If we have some deep-sea, because, so I'm also, I get seasick, so I'm a huge wimp, so I, I, I have no knowledge of this whatsoever. Uh, you I are going to get, this is going to make the walking treadmill anger. You are going to get destroyed by fishermen over this. Buck, there is depth. There is lure choices. There is location. Like, a great fisherman knows where the fish are. That's a huge percentage so, of so success So you're telling me, general. you're telling me if you, me, and a few buddies went out on the same kind of boat as some of these other guys, 
The other guys who have been fishing for actually no, that would make sense because they'd probably have a better sense of where to drop the lure. I guess I don't know. No, it's like saying if you have never golfed before, are you going to win the U.S. Open? No, Over time, come on, it's not best. That. It's not like fishermen that. are going to dominate the, the 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 you know like weekend fishermen, the anglers who are not as successful. I mean, I apologize, big fish, big fish universe. His name is Buck Sexton. I want to disavow all anti-fishing. Uh, look, I, I like fishing. I just, I thought, you know, look, there's the skill. If I'm sitting there in a canoe and I'm throwing the lure out there in the water, you know, you win some, you lose some, right? But, like, somehow, $3.5 million prize Yo, that's, money? I, I'm, I'm with like, you. It feels like the sharks coming after the Marlins should be seen. By the way, I'm headed to the Little League Park. Deluge Buck right now with all your fishermen hate. He's solo the last hour. I'm just saying, whatever. At least I'll be able to walk away from them fast because I train on a treadmill walking <laughs> at an incline. Clay's going to go hang with his son for baseball. We'll be back in just a moment. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 